Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I'm not your life coach, just a girl who never gives up. What is up, guys? Happy Wednesday. Happy August. I am stoked to have Mooch and Mel on the podcast today. You may know them from their online business, Move with Mooch and Mel or on Instagram at movewithmm. Christina Muccio is a Barry's Bootcamp instructor, a bespoke instructor, and the co-founder of Move With Mooch and Mel. And we've got Melissa Dugalecki, who is a life coach, a yoga instructor, and the co-founder of Move With Mooch and Mel. And if you are in the Boston area, again, you've probably seen them and all of the inspiring stuff that they put out on Instagram. I truly have loved watching this all unfold and seeing their passion for what they do and how they help people. And today's such a great episode because we get into not just the fun stuff they're working on, but their journeys that led them to start this business and where they were both coming from in the work and the journeys that they had put in and gone through to, to be able to meet in a vulnerable way and create meaningful work. And you're going to get lots of takeaways on how to work with another person, um, how to move quickly in a business, how to refer out if you need, you know, help with something maybe that's not your strong suit. Like I think that they are just proof that anything is possible and you don't have to have all the answers when you start something. I am so, so freaking motivated and inspired by their vulnerability and their ability to just share some of the things that they've been through and how it's able to help them help more people and make a big impact. So I very much look forward for you guys or to you guys hearing this episode. I've got all of the ways you can connect with them in the show notes, including Melissa's podcast, which is Guts and Grief, and their website, which you can find their 90-day programs I talk about at the end. And of course, just like me, I'm sure you can DM them on Instagram and their Instagram handles are in the show notes. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. I hope you guys are having an awesome week and this episode leaves you feeling inspired. So without further ado, we've got Mooch and Mel. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you guys? I'm good. Good. launches me back to that, right? And kind of the spiritual practices and the sutras. But I think at more of a personal level, it's just a lot of what, you know, I believe what Mooch believes and what we've built move on is not doing things just for the sake of doing them, not going through the motions, not doing things using the word should or out of comparison or getting caught up in kind of the rat race of the day to day but rather really quieting all of that noise and listening within to what aligns with what you want to achieve, with what resonates with your authentic self, um, and what really makes you excited to move forward. Well said. I love that. Thank you so much. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I first heard this, um, and similar to Melissa, Rumi is just, you know, and, and artist, so to speak, who's always just really resonated with me. Um, but in terms of kind of like where I'm at now, it's this whole idea of trusting your gut, right? And and just truly believing that when you're in alignment um, with certain things, whether it's different goals or careers or whatever it may be, that inside voice, although it's not super loud or it's, you know, sometimes not often all that clear, um, 
it's usually the one that we listen to. So um, I love that quote, Garrett. Oh, thank you guys. I, I think what you said too, just about quieting that noise is so important because we are all ingesting so much day to day through Instagram, through teaching classes and through interpreting emotions of our clients, which we're gonna get into today, that in order to maintain leadership and be a coach like as you guys are, it takes a lot of balancing, a lot of different noises um, that come in and out. So I thought that that would be a good quote. So thank you guys for interpreting yeah. that. And uh, before we get too much further, so the audience knows who we're talking to, um, I always ask people to answer the question that you're sitting on a plane and someone looks at you and says, what do you do? And sometimes a lot of the people I interview don't just do one thing. They have what I like to call the portfolio lifestyle. So I, I think you guys are both perfect examples of that. I would love to know how you would answer that question. Um, so it is funny. I've been asked that a lot and I've made so many career changes and I think that's fun, like just being fluid and kind of flowing with it. But currently when I'm asked that, um, I let people know that I'm a yoga instructor, a life coach, and I co-founded a business um, called Move with Mooch and Mel, where my business partner and I, so that's Mooch who I'm talking about <laughs> right next to me, <laughs> um, where we support women in 12-week uh, transformation in mind, body, and belly focused on gut health. Love it. I love it. And Mooch, would you say yours is very similar? It's similar. I'm, um, it's funny. I always say, like, I'm a creator, um, and I think that's kind of what I lead with because, like, whether it's fitness, whether it's move, whether it's, like, my own personal, like, endeavors, I just love, um, like, creating in different aspects, um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's funny, you know, when people are like, well, what the hell does that mean, and it's like, great, let's talk about it, because um, I love connecting with people on that level, but I think leading with something that's a little bit vague for me, um, and then just talking about it more if, if people are interested. Well, what I love about that is that you hit a point that resonates with me, which is when you're working for yourself and when you're running this portfolio lifestyle, it's always able to be morphed into whatever you decide. So instead mm -hmm. of living under this one title, like I am a various instructor or I am of whatever your job title says at your nine to five, like what, instead of living under that title by putting something like you just said, creator, or I've interviewed people who will identify as storytellers and they might be in advertising or they might be an author. Like, I really love that because it really shows that your mind is so open to taking your higher purpose wherever you decide, which is really freaking empowering. So, um, I, I really love that. And um, because you guys both just mentioned your business, I would love to dive into that just, you know, right away and, and learn more about kind of the journey that brought you to where you are. I think I saw the other day you guys, I mean, it's not the other day now, it's probably seven months in, but you guys were about six months into this and it just seems like you've done so much with so many people and made such a like, amazing impact in Boston and probably greater than Boston. So I'd love to know that story and um, for you guys to just share with my audience, you know, what made you take the leap into this? Yeah, so it's funny. And we honestly, Garrett, we love telling this story because it's so unique. Um, and if you follow us on Instagram, you've probably seen our infamous hashtag, which is built our business on puke. Um, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So I was teaching um, a later afternoon. It was a Saturday afternoon class the 130 at downtown crossing and uh, Melissa and her brother came in to take class it was her brother's first class ever um, it was kind of a delayed uh, birthday present for Melissa her birthday's in August and here they come strolling in in January but better late than never we always say um, and um, Timmy her brother comes into class has no idea what's going on he's probably very hungover from the night before makes it through, I don't know, maybe a round, and has to leave class to go puke, um, and didn't come back in. So Melissa and I just kind of like hit it off after class. We were, you know, kind of laughing about it. I started following her on Instagram and vice versa. Um, and we just really like, I think both of our messages that we were, um, you know, sharing, whether it was on social or in classes, whatever it may be, just really resonated with each other. 
um, we had both gone through a um, pretty intense grief journey. Um, Melissa had lost her daughter at the age of four months, um, and I had lost my dad um, when I was in high school. And so really our passion and our drive had kind of stemmed from um, what could be, excuse my French, really shitty situations, right? And um, I think the adversities and kind of what we had, you know, morphed into and, and grown into were really inspiring for both of us. So started the conversation of, you know, what do you do? Who are you? I want to hear more about your story. And, you know, th this was back in, um, so January we met. April we sat down for our first, like, coffee meeting. And we built a business that launched June 1st. So the timing is just like, it's Melissa and I to a T, right? Like when we have an idea, we really like just implement it. We find a way to make it work, make it work. And um, yeah, just, it really, it moved quick. We both knew that we had a bigger purpose in life. Um, Melissa had been in education for what, a decade, mm -hmm. a little bit more. Um, and I was working in corporate America before I moved into fitness. And so, you know, both of us had these aspirations of, growing something um we just didn't really know what until we met each other so wow i love that and i love that you said like you, it happened really fast because i feel like that's how great things begin you you don't sit around and, and worry about it or think about it you just go and you figure it out as you're going and that's why i've always you know lived off of the mantra type of business and i feel like partnerships do really well because you work to each other's strengths and the other one picks up for the other person's weaknesses so I would love for you guys to speak to how you balance each other because I'm you know I don't have that right now it's something that I would love to meet the right person and have that serendipitous like soul connecting meeting and it, it sounds like that's what it was for you guys like you're a sort of soulmate in in some way and I would love to know how you guys have you know decided to get the business off the ground, working with each of your strengths. Um, I think that's a really important point that you brought up. I don't know if we've actually been asked that before. We've been on a few, no, been interviewed a bunch, so. but, um, and that's what it is, right? It's, it's using, leveraging each other's strengths so that the people that we work with in the community that we work with is being exploited, right? They're growing in an environment that really is, each of us at our strongest version, right? And, and making each other even stronger. And I think that's really what distinguishes us from a lot of other, um, you know, programs and supports out there. And, you know, we, what I think is super important is that our values, right? And our mission are in total alignment, right? So those are in sync, those are congruent, those are the same, but our personalities, maybe the way that we, you know, connect with certain people, maybe our actual skill set strengths, maybe the ways that we communicate are a little bit different. And that allows us to reach so many more people and hold space for so many other people to grow. So I think it really works because our values and our goals and our mission and like our heart and our souls, like all that stuff is in alignment. And just maybe the way that we get there, whether it's, you know, pursuing different paths of instructing, we're both, you know, motivated to instruct, to inspire other people to feel better. We might do it in different ways, but the goal is the same. Um, you know, the way that we communicate, the way that we inspire others. I mean, being our authentic personalities themselves, like the people in our group, they'd be able to tell you like these tiny little differences that might not be noticeable from the outside, but... Again, I think in a partnership, it's having the core on the same page, right? Like that same wavelength, that same soul, whatever you want to, um, you know, use to attach a, a name to it, but then leaving space for there to be some individuality and that's going to empower other people to embrace their own as well. I love that. And you, do you have anything else to add to that? Well, I think it's, it's funny, like you recognize each other's strengths, right? And then as you start to grow and you have you know, growing pains of a business, you also start to see like where there are holes and where like we can't wear all the hats. So like, yeah, finance is not our strength by any means. Um, but it, it like, it's almost like a work in progress, right? Like, like you said, souls are connected. Um, we both have, you know, pretty defined strengths. I don't know if we necessarily like 
could identify like weaknesses. It's more like where we choose to spend our time. Um, and then you kind of like fill in the holes as you go. Yeah, I don't even think it is weaknesses. And I think that's what right. we teach other people. Like, it's are you aligned with what feels really good to you and what you're good at? There are certain things Mooch enjoys doing for the business that I would literally rather like, I, I, there are a million other things I would rather do, right? And so rather than me forcing myself to sit in that space and do it so that we're fair and equal and both doing the same things, it's like, all right, well, what can I do that maybe Mooch doesn't enjoy quite as much? And now you're creating a workflow that's enjoyable. And then like Mooch said with finance, like honestly, we would be like, everyone just come in our group, we're right? Hiring, like, we're hiring. <laughs> right? Like, we're the worst with that, you know? And so you outsource that. You get coaches to help you. You get staff members to do that. And that's okay, too. And I think a lot of it is in a successful partnership and in a successful business, putting your ego aside to be able to yes. say, like. Like letting it go, yeah. Yeah, like, me not, just because I can do something doesn't mean it's productive or the best way to serve by me doing that, right? It's not about can, like we can all muscle through and probably figure out whatever we wanted to. We all have access to Google, like we can figure it out. Um, but it's, you know, how do I, how do I light up the best and how can I bring that forward? Well, and I love, I love your answer and I love that you bring this up because again, the vibe that I've always gotten from you guys since I watched you pair on social media and in the Boston community and start this business you have the feeling that I've had a couple of times in my life where there's just something so important to you. You can't help but make moves and do the work, whether you're the best at it or not, because you just want to get it going. And you have your, it's almost like you're in a rush because you're so excited about the work you're doing. And you mentioned because you were aligned. So it's like, however the job's going to get done, we're going to get it done and we're going to be excited to do it because we have the same goal and alignment. So I think that's really good advice for the listeners because if you are thinking about going into business with somebody, if you don't have that like through and through alignment and trust that you're on the same path, I, I probably it isn't a good idea um, because I think that that probably is the biggest, uh, most important thing to look at first um, when you go into business with someone. But um, the second uh, thing, uh, one of the things you mentioned was this idea of holding space for your clients and for your community. And I, um, I was actually talking to Ashley Mitchell the other day about this whole concept because as um, an online coach myself and a group fitness instructor as well, there's a whole lot of space holding going on there. And I ran into a point um, in 2016, I remember calling my mom and saying, look, I, I need a, like the biggest virtual hug you can give me because I have been on the phone with people who are in tears and people who need me to hold space for them and that's and I love doing it but I'm about to go teach two Barry's classes and a spin class tomorrow morning and I don't know where I'm gonna get that energy back like I don't know how to fill my cup back up because I'm a hundred percent single I am super lonely and I am in the trenches of my business and my work and um, it's a very big thing that I think group fitness instructors go through uh, because of that space holding. So I'd love to know your advice for people listening who is who are resonating with that idea of holding space for people and leading people and um, and wanting to also continue to feel empowered to do that. I think it's um, it's kind of layered, Garrett. Like it it changes a lot um, as your business grows as you know, things evolve as you change as a person and evolve as a person and grow as a person. Um, I think, you know, speaking from our own experiences, it's, it was tough. We're not going to lie. Like it was hard that first year. I mean, we, yesterday we took a full day to go to the beach. Granted, like we taught in the morning. Um, but this time last year, like we didn't even put on a bathing suit and, we were thinking about it and I was texting Melissa. She was at the beach. I was sitting at the dock down by the Charles and like, I was like, holy shit. Like, did you think we would get to this point? Because last year at this time, absolutely not. We were, we were like running around with like chickens with our heads cut yeah. off, honestly. Um, and so we realized, you know, as we wanted to grow and if, if we wanted to grow the way that we wanted to, we had to create that space. Mm -hmm. We had to be able to, um, you know, delegate different things and hire different places and outsource different things because 
if we wanted to be and show up as coaches and serve our clients as best we could, we couldn't sustain what we were doing. Absolutely not. Um, do you want to add to that? Yeah, no, I think it's a little bit of a trial and error too. Totally. Um, you know, and, and really being in a place where you're aligned with what you love. And when you figure out, as we referenced earlier, when you figure out what tasks really drain you, and you choose to delegate those more, that's a one way of protecting your energy. So you're focused more in like your area of genius. So we all have our zones of genius. And I think we all need to recognize not every zone is our zone of genius. Like it's just not, it's not possible. Um, so when you're in those areas, I think that really protects your energy. And then learning, like learning when we took on too much. I mean, you know, having to cut back on classes that were, you know, instructing. I know when I would find myself going to class completely burned out, n nothing left to give, I knew. Like, I knew that's when I had to start cutting back in certain spaces. And um, I also know now, like, when I'm, you know, when I know I have a really big day, like this huge lineup of stuff to do, and I want to go to bed early so I feel my best, that's, like, I think a huge part of it, too, is being aligned, right? Like, knowing what you're doing is something that you really love, and, like, you just want to feel your best and bring your energy. And I see a lot of people doing things, and I've done it myself, that you don't necessarily love, necessarily love but you don't know how to walk away or leave it. Yeah. And so you might self-sabotage, or you might force yourself, like, force the hand to be dealt, um, yeah. or you're just constantly burned out. And so I think so much of it isn't necessarily the amount of time that's spent, right? Not the quality, I think it's, or the quantity, but rather the quality. Like, I could do certain things for 12 hours and not feel burned out. There are certain things I do for three hours. I want to, you know, like, quit. You know, I'm done. I'm fried. And so I think too often we focus on the quantity and not the quality of the work that we're doing. Yeah, and I think what I'm asking is also, too, like, if we really sit back and think about it, it is easy to find the strain and the struggle and, like, the negative parts of the hustle of coaching so many people and holding space for others and continuing to keep like our vibe high but at the same time you just hit the nail on the head like there are things you can do and essentially what all of us are doing are things that we love you know so right. it's a different type of drain and as long as you're aware of it which obviously you guys sound very aware of it like and you can figure out how to manage it it's it's able to be kept in a healthy place because you love what you're doing at the end of the day. And, and it sounds like you're also helping people recognize maybe in their own life that they don't love what they're doing. And I, I definitely want to get to that um, today with some of your client work. But before they go there, if it's okay with you guys, I would love to ask just a little bit about how um, your experience with grief. And Melissa, I know you have an entire podcast on this, which I will put a link to in the show notes. Because yeah. It's a very loaded topic. But I would love to know just a little bit about how your understanding and experience and journey with grief has influenced the way that you coach and the way that you guys work with each other. That we could talk about for yeah. how many times we have Garrett now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you said, I, I actually started a podcast on it because I don't think there are enough resources around grief. There's almost like this layer of shame around grief. Um, people are afraid to talk about it or it's uncomfortable. So they just avoid it and are like, Oh, I'll wait it out and it will go away. It's mm. <laughs> not how it works. Um, spoiler alert. But um, for me, I mean, I think it's important. Like, there are so many different takeaways that we've both experienced, but for me, a lot of what I found healing in was finding ways to shine late into light. Um, it's a term I use a lot um, and to kind of mother in the ways that I can now. So I see myself as the kind of protector of her legacy. And so she taught so much. And so for me, I, you know, that inspired a lot of the work that I do. As Mooch mentioned, my background is in education and teaching. So teaching and coaching, has that's ingrained in me. Like, that's what I love. That's what I always wanted to do. But from Leiden, I found, and I always said, I was in athletics, and I always said, I want to teach life lessons through sports, right? Like, we're going to learn resilience. We're going to learn 
patience. We're going to learn teamwork. We're going to learn communication, deferral of gratitude, all these life lessons, right? And then I think through Layden, I really applied those. And I started sharing that. And then I discovered, well, you don't have to teach through sports. You can teach it through life, <laughs> right? Life coaching, mindset work. Yeah. So that's what really inspired me. And I believe probably the most powerful lesson that I learned in my own healing journey was I was completely shattered. Like, you know, I remember moments, and this time of year always launches me back because my daughter Layden died at the end of June in 2014. But just like the summer heat and the stickiness, you know how all those things can be like attached to intense emotional experiences. Like I feel it. Like I remember looking at the ground and barely having the energy to, you know, put the same clothes on from the day before. I remember showering and not remembering if I washed my hair. I recall so clearly driving and not knowing where I was going and just like having a breakdown. And so I see this really broken, shattered, hopeless version of me, and I look at how it's possible to get through that, and with compassion and with taking action steps. I think too often people think, well, I'll just wait it out, and it'll go away, or it will get better when. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that can be really dangerous. Um, so kind of taking my personal experiences in grief and wanting to help other people who are in that state of like, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I get through this? Um, And so combining my personal and professional experiences um, to make an impact and making an impact that allows me to feel like I'm being Layden's mom in the best way that I can right now. Wow, that is so powerful. And I really appreciate you sharing that because it sounds like too, you you had made enough progress with your journey to be able to connect to Mooch in that way. Mm-hmm. And had yeah. not, then maybe you guys wouldn't have been able to mm-hmm. connect how you have. And um, again, I'm going to put a link to your podcast in the show notes because I think you're right that there's not enough resources out there and you do it in such a personal, vulnerable way and it's really meaningful. So I so appreciate that um, work that you're doing. And, um, and Mooch, I would love to know like, how, you know, maybe where you were when you met Melissa? Yeah, so um, when I met Melissa, it was was definitely like a different time in my life. I had just left corporate um, to pursue, you know, this whole fitness grind, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I guess it really just, you know, after I met Melissa and really started like looking at my own story, which is something I like am so grateful for because she's really pushed me to, to look at my own journey. Um, and you know, before that I was definitely sharing, but more through like awareness, right. More through, um, fundraising and, um, you know, different ALS events. So my dad died of ALS and it was just one of those things that when, even when he was diagnosed, I was nine years old and it was not a disease that anyone knew about. Um, it was very on the like hush hush. Um, there was really not much research being done. Um, it was very underfunded. So as a kid going through like middle school, high school, it was like, I'm just not going to tell anyone. It's like, no one's going to understand anyway. So I'm just not going to tell anyone. Um, so it was like, I was living this like very split life of like, um, you know, I'm mooch at school, I'm an athlete, I go home, I'm Christina, and I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm, um, you know, trying to hold my family together. So it's interesting, like, kind of this, like, duality I was living. Um, For a while, he was, you know, diagnosed at age, when I was nine, or excuse me, when I was nine, Um, and he passed when I was um, a week out from my high school graduation. So, like, years of just kind of living this double life. Um, and so fast forward to when I met Melissa, it was, you know, I was, I was really just hopeful through fundraising and, um, you know, sharing in terms of like, hey, I'm doing this bike ride. Like, you want to join me? Do you want to donate? Like, it was really just like this up and coming thing um, that now has turned into a really incredible movement um, with the Ice Bucket Challenge and all of that, but you're, you know, definitely seeing ALS everywhere, but, um, you know, my 
grief and my journey has really sprung me into athletics. Um, like I said, when my dad was diagnosed, I was a gymnast. Um, I was super young, but I was so intrigued because he was a, um, you know, a professional power lifter. He was playing hockey. Um, he owned a construction company. So just a really strong, tough human being. And it's funny, like watching his body break down in that way um, and really seeing like how a body disintegrates, right? And I went from, you know, he's strong, he's tough to holy shit, he's vulnerable, he's so weak, um, but his mind is intact. And so, I mean, you can assume it created a lot of like anger and stress and, um, you know, different things within him. But for me, from the outside looking in, it was, how does the body do that? Like, how can it fail like that? Um, so I got super into, you know, anatomy. I was taking like all these courses in, in um, school and even in college. And it really like propelled me to think of the body as, you know, this vehicle and got me into athletics, got me into personal training, really, you know, turned what I thought was just going to be my hobby into my career. Um, so yeah, when I met Melissa, I was, you know, well into the fitness scene. Um, I was looking for more. I was looking for different ways to help, um, different ways to serve, different ways to coach and inspire. Um, and so it kind of just like, I don't know what's happened. You know, it was the universe for sure. I, t- I totally believe in all that. And I appreciate you both sharing that story because even just sharing that here to these listeners is holding, is really, it's holding space for them too because so many people have dealt with grief in their life and maybe haven't even met someone that they can share that with or that they can relate to. And so, again, I really appreciate that. Um, and, and what you just really made me think about was, you know, Luch, you said your body is a vehicle, and that to me speaks so um, passionately into why you do what you do and why you help develop people's bodies physically, like for instance at Barry's. But one of the things that you guys mentioned is that you're really helping people with all areas of their life with move with Luch um, and Mel by starting with the gut. And so uh, I would love for you guys to speak to the way you approach that and maybe some of the things that come up for your clients like i mean obviously grief can impact your gut high stress situations can impact your gut what you're eating can impact your gut there's so many things but your gut is as we all know the center of our health our universe our immunity it's so key for everything um from skin care to you know your um, emotions so how do you guys approach that? You know, what can, can the listeners take away from um, any any tips you guys have that you usually start with? Maybe for someone who isn't going to necessarily jump into your program tomorrow, but they're, they're just looking for some initial tips and advice on what they can do to make sure they're taking care of themselves and their vehicle. Yeah, I would, you know, it's funny. I didn't even mention this. And it's so interesting how many different avenues, you know, we can think about how move came about right and all the mm-hmm. all the different ways and honestly all we're going to keep saying is it was just like all these different things in the universe aligning it's ridiculous it's but, like crazy. but my daughter Layden, yeah she died of a sick gut so um I don't know if you're aware of that and I didn't yeah. I didn't know what gut health was and at, ironically I had a really sick gut but I didn't know and so I was a high functioning like I was working out I had run the marathon I was a division one athlete but yet I had acne, I was bloated, I, w- I had a colonoscopy when I was like 24, um, I was diagnosed with all these different things, and all I did was I kept taking creams and pills and thinking that was the way it was supposed to be and drinking a lot of coffee. Um, so it wasn't until after Layden died that I at first hated it and then began studying gut health, and now it's been over three years since I've even taken a Tylenol or a Tums. And so my biggest advice to start would be if you're somebody's experiencing acne or you know um, exhaustion or bloat or IBS type symptoms, not to just assume that's their normal, mm-hmm. because we're taught to do that. And so that would be my absolute first step. And then I don't know which where would we go. Start with the gut challenge, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's it's on our website. Um, we do like this free like five day 
actually it's technically seven, but um, we do this gut challenge and so many people have gone through it. I mean, the first time we did it, we had over 500 people register and, um, you know, it's, it's simple ways that you can start integrating different things and keyword is simple, right? Like how to drink water, what to incorporate. Um, it's not like, you know, stop eating this, don't eat this, restrict yourself from this, change this. It's simple ways to incorporate, um, simple, I guess, solutions. And all it does really is give us these little like red flags. It's like your body saying like, Hey, Mooch, like stop being a bozo and like actually treat this. Don't just treat the symptom, fix this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we would direct people there um, and just kind of like educate yourself, right? Like there's so many opinions, there's conflicting opinions out there, like whatever it may be, but educate yourself because like all things, your gut is so specific to you. And just because one person says drink celery juice and another person says don't, doesn't mean it's it's right or wrong, right? Absolutely. And like you said, there's so many different, um, it, it, the, the gut is so unique to the person, you know, it's like your finger, mm-hmm. but there are things that people can do that can make them feel just a tiny bit better each day. Like not having, for me, like not having at one point, unfortunately, it was like, don't have the fifth cup of coffee. Like that's the level I was on. Oh, we were so, both there. Yeah. <laughs> just pulling back from that was really important to me. And then. And instead of saying, oh, I really don't want to pull back from that because that's what I need to like really step back and look at the bigger picture of why, why do I need five cups of coffee? Like what is going on? And with my own gut health journey, which I don't want to bore anybody with because I, it's, it's like most people, it's super long and tumultuous and it was a lot of layers, but, um, you, I had to just ultimately stop brushing things under the rug. So I really appreciate the work that you guys are doing out there for people because it does bring awareness to this this idea that you can totally take control of what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, and you can you can change your destiny. And it's it, but it really does take time. So so, what are some of the expectations that you guys set with your clients? Because I mean, I totally get that you know five days or seven days just to dip your toe in the water can be really impactful and meaningful. But yep. in today's world, as we know, instant gratification is a thing. And mm-hmm. you know, Melissa, you just mentioned, like, it was three years of working on this with your gut yeah. And mine has been, so far, I'm coming up on my two-year mark. And it is such a journey. So how do you manage those expectations with clients? I think you kind of nailed it, Garrett. It's It's keeping an open mind. I mean, even the first day of our gut challenge, the first day that people start in our course, that's like the one ask that we have is like, Hey, you know, like the decades of things that you've been trying, things that you've been doing, like they didn't work up until now. So let's just keep our mind open to what's, you know, what we can, can control. Um, so I think the one thing we do ask is open-mindedness for sure. Definitely open-mindedness and, and detaching from restriction, right? And we really coach away and it takes time from calories and fat and, you know, macros and, you know, fruit and sugar and all, whatever, you know, the, the little trend or the myths or whatever it is around food. Um, and like Mitch said, it, it comes down to that open-mindedness, but yeah. we don't have a one size fits all meal plan. And that's something that makes us really unique. Um, we also don't have a one size fits all fitness program and a couple of things like it would be a hell of a lot easier. Like it would be a shit ton easier. Sorry. I hope it's okay to swear in here, but um, a shit ton easier for us if it was a one size fits all, but we would be disservicing the people that we worked with because their schedules, their goals, the way that their guts are impacted, the symptoms that they're having, um, they're all unique. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people want, a set meal plan because it offers the sense of control so or a solution, yeah. mm-hmm. but really we coach them through. So I mean, we, we will literally tell everyone what we think they should eat every single day, but we're not going to give every single person the same list. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting because people attach to the sense of control they get from like, Oh no, this is the meal plan that works. And it's like, no, no, no. What's the meal plan that works for you? Yeah. 
And everything we do is under the umbrella of gut health. So it's going to incorporate food combining and timing of foods and gut-friendly foods. So there is, like, structure to it, but you've got to have that fluidity within it, and that's really hard for some people at yeah. first. It's, it can be a huge, huge struggle, and I face that, too, with my program. Like, people come yeah. to me and say, oh, well, what's the meal plan? I'm like, sorry, I, right. I'm not going to give you a crutch because that's essentially what it is. If someone thinks X, Y, Z is the answer, for the rest of their life, they're either going to be, quote, unquote, on or off because they're either on said meal plan or they're off because it's not realistic to – you know, follow the same thing every day and, and never enjoy life. So I totally feel that. And it, it really is, like you said, keeping an open mind, which, and then also, I'm sure you've experienced this too, like a really huge level with trust of your clients trusting you and then mm-hmm. you teaching them to trust themselves. Like, how do you guys think that you communicate that part of it? Because, you know, like we just said, without a meal plan, it's really up to the person to, you know, trust themselves to make the best decision because we all know, right, that an apple's probably better for us than, I don't know, cotton candy. But yeah. we don't always make that decision. So I, I mm-hmm. guess I would love for you to speak to that element of, of self, self-trust that comes into play. It's a really good question. And I think a lot of women come into, like Melissa said, come into this course saying like, hey, where's my meal plan? <laughs> and the, it's it's funny because like that's not that's not going to make something sustainable, right? What's going to make it sustainable is self-trust. And so I think you know, our first couple weeks, even like first 2 months of our course is guiding you through ways to trust yourself. It honestly comes down to trusting yourself to make the decisions that align best with you. And if that means like you know, giving you a meal plan and helping you through it, fine but at the beginning of the course when you come trusting us a we appreciate it like i love that people trust us and love that people go to us for you know some of their most challenging aspects of their lives but like hate to say it like i'm not going to be here forever you know i'll be here for another 90 plus years hopefully but like i I, we can't be here forever holding people's hands and and telling them what's right or wrong like It's their lives, it's their energy, it's their time, it's their thoughts. And at the end of the day, like we want people to understand like that's, it's their control and their, their self-trust is, is honestly what's going to get them there. And I think it's, I'm sure you get it all the time too, Garrett, when people are like, Hey, like, what do you eat to look like that? Or like, what do you eat for your skin to be that clear? And it's like, I I could do you a disservice and just tell you and say, here, go do this because yeah. it worked for me. Mm-hmm. But like, isn't that a form of distrust? So let me give you the harder answer. Let me give you the, the answer that's going to take you a little bit longer. Exactly. Exactly. Oh gosh. And one thing that I, I think is really valuable that you guys are doing is you're teaching, obviously the huge thing is the self-trust, but I can't tell you how many times women come to me saying, well, I know that I need to eat 1,200 calories, and I know that I need to just eat chicken and broccoli, and I know that I just, I'm just constantly bloated all the time, and they have all these things that they, you can tell that they, they think that they are these truths that they need to hold on to, but they really aren't, and they're waiting for you to tell them it's not, but, they're, but they don't want to let go of them, and the biggest thing that I have to evaluate is um, saying to someone, okay, you really want to lose five pounds, but is it that or, and do you have five pounds to lose or do you want to lose the inflammation and the bloat that you're dealing with? And mm-hmm. what if we either A, see if there's a problem first and you go work with a professional or B, kind of work on just eating the right things first. And so why do you think, like, what do you think it is? I mean, I grew up reading Women's Health Mag and seeing 1,200 calories printed places. I grew up seeing that stuff in magazines. Um, but what do you guys think it is that, that makes women especially hold on to these maybe not-so-truthful truths? Fear, misinformation, mm-hmm. um, and a fear of if, you know, they follow, if they don't follow that truth, something is going to go wrong because that's quite often what's in the media. Um, but we always say, I mean, we were made to create humans, right? Like we can handle digesting our food. Like we're, 
pretty amazing beings and we got to trust ourselves more. Um, billion dollar companies rely on that fear to motivate our behavior, you know, and they want us to buy that quick fix program or that, you know, 200 calorie ice cream or that five point Snickers bar, whatever it is, right? It, it's going to change all the time. Um, but they, they rely on that fear and kind of taking the guesswork out of it. You know, I think we're so busy in our day-to-day -day lives. I think a lot of times people ask us what we eat because they want to, they just trust us and they figure if we eat it and they trust us, they don't have to trust themselves. Mm. Um, and it takes some of that guesswork out of it, but it's, it's a short-term investment to build that trust with yourself and your body for long-term reprieve, right? For long-term relief from the wondering and the struggling and for long-term empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, too, like, we should be able to digest our food. Like, unfortunately, yeah. I wasn't totally digesting my food and, like, slipped that under the rug for probably yeah. a year because I just was, I don't know, not, not listening to my body. I think I was just blatantly not listening to it, and I suffered pretty badly from that. But the one thing for me that I think you guys could probably relate to as well is that at certain points in my life, sports demanded a lot from me. They demanded that I put some of that fear aside and some of that, I don't know, those, um, I don't know, insecurities aside to show up for my team, for my cheerleading squad or my pole vaulting team, whatever it was. There were certain things that made me put those aside and like, I don't know, put my highest self forward. And all of those experiences for me helped me continue to live my life that way as I hit more roadblocks and more things in the future. Like, do you guys feel like your experience with sports helped you with that? And is that part of why you teach today? And, and, and do you think you can kind of channel that energy for people in the classroom? Yeah. I mean, both of us going way back were athletes. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it taught me personally, I mean, Garrett, you were a gymnast, like that sport is tough, right? And it teaches you so much more than how to do a split, so much more than how to do a back handspring. Um, it teaches you community. It teaches you, you know, teamwork, um, dedication, motivation. And I think the best way for me to kind of express myself was through sport. And the best way for me to learn was through sport. Um, and so the way that it translated, it's, it's funny. Like I was so inspired by some of the coaches that I had that I knew I wanted to kind of like pay it forward. You know, mm. I didn't know like to what capacity or what my, you know, impact would be. I just knew I wanted to pay it forward. I actually didn't start until after Layden um, died. I I was always involved in athletics. I was a field hockey player in college. I coached at the high school level for about a um, So sports were always a big part of my life. And yoga, I didn't understand the power of it. I kind of just went thinking it was like a nice little relaxing stretch out or, you know, complement my workouts. Um, and after losing Layden, we did – prenatal yoga. So I always like to say Layden was a little yogi. Um, I couldn't get back on my yoga mat. So um, it was over a year after losing her before I could get back on. I always say I ran a marathon before I could do yoga again. And so it was at that point where I realized like there's something really powerful that happens when you're on your mat and when you hold space to let yourself just sit and to sit with whatever's coming up and to actually confront it. Um, and breathe through it and not fight or flight it, right? Like not distract yourself through it and not try and battle it from coming up, but just breathe through it. And um, so anyways, after that is when I was inspired to go back and become certified. And I've been instructing yoga for the past couple of years. Wow. And um, I appreciate you sharing that. It's, I think for some people, when they're going through something, um, it is so hard to slow down. And it's, going back to that idea of fear, like, do I really want to be alone with my thoughts? Like, how can I confront it? And for me, before I ever meditated, yoga was, um, because it's active, and like Mushi said, you express yourself through sports, like, I felt like I could 
better handle my emotions if it have if I felt them through movement. Um, but you hit the nail on the head, like forcing yourself to breathe through it is, is not easy. Um, but it's <clears throat> very powerful. Um, and I, um, I would love to know if you guys do any sort of meditation, um, or what your experience has been like. And I ask because a lot of people that I'm interviewing, it's coming up more and more and more. And I have to be honest, you know, if I was podcasting a year ago and I was starting to dabble in it, I don't know if I would have even been bold enough to ask. And I don't think enough people were talking about it. And I just I hear about it so much. I'd love to know if you guys have any experiences with it. Yeah, I started, it's funny, like, I think back to the first time I truly sat down, opened my Headspace app, and I was like, I'm going to meditate. It was, it was so, it was terrible. It was boring. I think I fell asleep. Like, I didn't understand the power of it. And this was probably... This is when I was living in Denver, so at least two and a half years ago. And I think through my growth and, like, really finding my passion, I feel the, you know, the impact of either meditation or manifesting or um, even goal setting. So I think it, for me it was kind of like a, I need to open my mind a little bit more. I needed to grow a little bit more. And I truly needed to be, like, in love with what I was doing. Wow. I love that perspective so much because that's a really tangible way to like for goal setting, for instance, for listeners to take with them. It's like, even if you just sit down and think about goals, that's a form of meditation. It doesn't have to be super deep and spiritual if you're new to it. Um, so I love that. And, and uh, Melissa, do you meditate as well or do you <laughs> do that with in tandem with yoga? Um, both. I go through phases and I always say when I'm avoiding meditating is when I need it the most. When I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to meditate. I can't wait to get on my yoga mat. Like that's when I'm feeling really great. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm avoiding it, that's when I know I need it. So it's actually something, especially more recently, I've been digging into, I've been working with um, like a spiritual coach on meditation um, and energy and like chakras. And it's been something that I've been um, having to kind of rearrange my morning routine a little bit to really prioritize and make a little bit more of a priority um, and, and move things around in my schedule. And I do feel a difference, um, a huge, you know, and it's not a surprise, right? It's what we coach and it's what we teach, but a lot of clarity um, and, just, and just a sense of grounding. But I think it's challenging. It's something I think we often avoid um, or or somehow say we don't see the value in it um, or it doesn't really accomplish anything. But I, it's a higher level of trust in recognizing that accomplishing and productive, right? We talk a lot about this in MOVE, the difference of busy and productive. Like you don't always have to be running around crazy to be productive. In fact, that's often counterproductive. And so investing this time, even though I don't quote unquote feel busy, it's actually really productive. So that's been a current main focus for me. Um, and, you know, it's something that we do in our, in our program and we help people who are at all different walks of it. Cause we know it's not easy. Yeah. It's definitely challenging. And this is going to sound kind of, I don't know, negative or scary, but when I am not meditating or I'm scrolling aimlessly through Instagram too much, sometimes if I do stop and just remind myself to breathe, I will see like flashes of my Instagram feed and it's almost like my brain is like, dude, we got to process this or not, but mm. if you need to process it, don't do it. Like there's so much information coming at us all the time that it is important. I, I totally believe that to just sit down with your thoughts. And again, it can be scary. I've used like, uh, Muchi mentioned headspace. I've used, um, tried headspace, but I use, um, move with, um, the app that I coach on. And I like that one a lot, but, um, you know, there's different forms of it. It could be running for some people. It could be uh, journaling. But um, I personally am trying to get better at just really doing the most traditional form of meditation, sitting down, opening my brain, um, and, and mainly for um, Mooch, what you mentioned, which is goal setting, manifesting, all those things. And I love asking my guests, my guests, I should say, um, what they want to manifest and, like, what they're after. I think it's fun, especially because – you know, we're recording on a Monday. This episode will probably go live in a few weeks, and that's going to be in the past. So 
I love for people to be able to go back to an episode and listen to what they wanted to manifest. So if you guys have anything you'd love to share about what you're looking forward to over the next year or two or five, like I would love to hear. I would love the listeners to, to help you manifest that. Yeah, I think just based on, you know, kind of the nature of this conversation and, and kind of what we're manifesting as a business. Um, and I mean, Melissa and I spend at least 20 hours a day with each other. So we're constantly working and reworking and, um, you know, thinking about what we're going to do to not only better serve who the people that are in our course, but serve more people. Um, because I think what we have is so special. Um, it's changing lives, you know, not only in Boston, but across the globe. And so I think our manifestations are really stemming from, you know, our potential to help even more people. And so in a year, I mean, we have some pretty big plans in terms of growth um, as a business, but looking at it from like an energy perspective, and this is a lot of what we coach, um, but it's showing up and showing up powerfully. And so how we're going to get there and, and what we need to do to get there um, is really, you know, what we're focusing on day to day. No, I mean, I think Mooch, you know, summed it up pretty well. Um, I just think in general, the more we can position each of ourselves individually and then as, you know, friends, roommates, business partners and all these things to feel our best um, and serve others. And we're kind of just constantly working each day to grow and allow that to support others better and then see where it takes us in our next endeavors. Amazing, and um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I guess the last thing I'll ask you guys is um, what's going on for your business right now? Is there anything the listeners can um, look forward to or look up and find? Are you guys launching anything right now? And I say right now as in uh, very beginning of August. Cool. Um, so a few things. We have our um, our 90-day course, um, which is Mind, Body, and Belly, so it's those three pillars um, that really is, you know, kind of the, the foundation of MOVE. Um, we launch that every three weeks. So we're constantly, um, you know, having new groups start. And um, that will continue to grow um, from a growth perspective and kind of like a new perspective. Um, we're starting a small group um, coaching session for entrepreneurs um, who are building businesses online. So we're going to be doing, um, you know, kind of like a mastermind for for entrepreneurs, um, like I said, small group coaching to start, um, and then, you know, kind of seeing where it takes us, but that's really what's on the forefront. Awesome. And anything else, Mel, that you want to add? No, that's it. I mean, we are really focused right now. We're doing a lot of things. We're continually adding to our current program, um, and really growing that. And then the business coaching is exciting to help other people who want to turn their passion, you know, into something more than just like a side hustle or a hobby. Yeah, I love that you guys are doing that. Um, you guys have such great energy that you're putting out there. And, um, you know, I think that there are, I definitely have a lot of Boston listeners. So if you guys want to shout out um, where you teach as well so that they can find you there um, and then where they can find you online, I would, would love for, you know, I think people need to hear it and see it. So why don't you guys... Um, mention those, and then um, I'll then I'll also take those down so that I can put them in the show notes. Um, so I'm at Bespoke, which is a spin studio, um, and at Barry's Bootcamp. So you can typically find me there every day, about Wednesdays. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and I teach just a few classes a week now at Yoga Works in Back Bay and Watertown. Um, do life coaching, so if anyone's struggling with grief, that's all from home. But other than that, mostly move. You can find us at Move with MM, which is our Instagram handle. So it's move dot with MM. Uh, Mooch is C Mooch on Instagram, and um guts and grief, which is not like the most exciting. I need to really work on that. I keep no, tweaking I it. <laughs> I, I think it is amazing. Thank you guys so much for your time. It's been amazing to. Thank you.
It was so great having Mooch and Mel on the podcast. If you are a Bostonian and you want to check out a yoga class with Mel or you want to hit up Berries or Bespoke with Mooch, uh, all of their personal info is in the show notes. You can find them. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, let me know. And as always, dare to move.